raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. You're listening to the Wes and Walker Show. I remember one recruiting victory that you did get. It's Wes. I know you remember my quarterback, Paul Troth, and he and I came up there to East Carolina for a visit. And Walker. Vance High School, offensive lineman, big kid, eventually <laughs> went to Florida. Do you remember Wes Bryant at Vance High there, Coach? Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. If Florida had come along and that young man told me he wanted to come to East Carolina, I probably wouldn't take him because I think he was not very bright. Uh. <laughs> One more hour to go on Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Big Smoke just walked into the studio. Got to talking about some of the sports history stuff that we always love talking about. Looking at Frank Thomas's baseball reference page said, I hate that his legend has now been reduced to eugenics instead of the absolute tear he went on in the early to mid-20s of his career. But Frank Thomas was an absolute beast. The other thing that Smoke reminded me of is I went to Christmas at the Speedway last night, Wes. And when you go to Christmas at the Speedway, you have the option to go to the little Christmas village they have, which was a little bit weaker this year, but they always have this pop-up shop where there's a bunch of sports memorabilia that's just wild, like Weird antiques, NASCAR stuff all over the place, as you might expect, but also lots of weird oversized jerseys of random players for random teams. You get to see all this weird stuff. And so we came across a Dale Earnhardt Wheaties car trailer piggy bank. Wow. My girlfriend had to get it. She's like, look, we have to. This thing is crazy. It's a Dale Earnhardt antique from 1997 which I guess isn't like old, old, but it still looked old. The box was faded with the Intimidator looking right at me with the shades on, and he was speaking to me, hey, take me home with you. This thing is legit. And so we did or that. Else. And now we have, yeah, he probably did. And so we brought it home, and that's one of the best, I don't know about like antique or sports finds that we've had in a while. So you know how we do. I want to send it to the sex line, 704 What's the best sports antique or like knickknack thing that you've seen in quite some time? And then maybe we even brought it home. I got a couple. I have that one, but I also at a antique store in Kentucky on a road trip one time saw a, an Alonzo morning plate that was like shiny, like gold rim around it. Alonzo morning posting up plate that now sits in the background when I do locked on Hornets podcast. But those are the best sports finds that I've ever seen at like Goodwill antique store, whatever some, place that you might find a random sports artifact i gotta see that uh it might not have been quite antique but we went to the we checked out uh, out at the night stadium the stuff they had going on out there and they had a vendor that had these laser kind of sculpted i know what you're talking about yeah out of wood and they had them for yep. the different schools and stuff and they had a lot of different things from ashtrays to little ornaments and things of that nature but they also had ones that were big uh replicas of said state from whichever school it came from. And then like for the one for Wake Forest, it had like some of the more notable buildings 
uh, in Winston-Salem skyline, if you want to call it that. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, a couple of buildings from Wake Forest. So it had a lot of stuff that was very uh, centric to whatever school it was. And so those were, those were pretty cool. But other than that, just a lot of the stuff you see online with the vintage sports gear, uh, things of that nature, man. Some really cool stuff you see. What would you get, Fiddy? Did you have something for us? Would a Roy Williams bobblehead count? Because yes, I got one of those from Franklin Street. And then my guy, App State Tick, I actually got this in the mail last night, mailed me a 1982 vintage UNC national title mug. Okay, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. That's really sweet. I have a, a, a 1982 still full Coca-Cola bottle. And I still have that. Not been, I know Ovius and Gilio, they would mess around and do the, you know, as we tasted the gum from like 1960s baseball cards. Ah, That's a drop that we still have. That gum mm. crunch was elite. Oh man, that <laughs> thing snapped in half and it was awful, awful eating that. He's like, just swallow a piece of gum. I was like, no, I need to throw it in the trash. He's like, no, just swallow it. And so the Coca-Cola bottles, I think they've taken a drink out of before. That was one of the cooler ones. Um, That reminded me of another Goodwill find. So, we had, uh, we're scrolling, we're scrolling. Yeah, somebody said that they found a Christian Okoye signed jersey at Goodwill one time. <clears throat> I know. That's awesome. I found a Juan Pablo Montoya signed hat at Goodwill one time. Oh, wow. NASCAR driver, if, if you don't know. Yeah, that was pretty wild as well. So we're we're going on the text line. Chubb in a tub said, I found a Jimmy Clausen Panthers jersey at Charlotte Goodwill. Quite the find. As it should have been. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it is. Can you count that as quite the find? Yeah. I don't know, I, if I don't know about that one. Uh, trophy husband said, my dad has a picture with Joe DiMaggio and Franco Harris. That's wow. a really cool one. That is. Hurricane Mark says, I still have a Dale Sr. Wheaties box. Those things are so good. Love. I absolutely love it. And then Jason from Lenore says, uh, an ABC <laughs> Wide World of Sports metal trash can. All right. ABC. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I saw Wes's face glow up. He liked that one. Wow, so you can keep you can keep riding. Did you see the eight oh three one what they said? Um no, I did not. What did they say? Well, they said I got the ball, Cam didn't jump on in the Super Bowl. Mm. Not me. That's what he said. Okay, so don't come at me. That's what eight oh three Go said. scratch yourself. All right, yeah. so eight oh three jumped on it, but Cam didn't. That's what we're saying. <laughs> I'm moving on, man. I do want to talk a little bit more about Cam because there's an article on ESPN about the greatest rookie quarterback seasons we've ever seen. Aaron Schatz wrote this on ESPN.com. The best rookie QB seasons of the past 25 years. Carolina has one on here. It's Cam Newton. Actually ranking number seven, West. Pretty damn high over the best first-year QBs we've seen the last 25 years. And he says the key stats were his 56.6 QBR, over 4,000 passing yards, 21 uh, passing touchdowns, 17 INTs. And he said, quote, Newton is the reason I ordered this list by adjusted DYAR and not just passing DYAR, advanced stat, just measuring the success of some of these QBs. He said Newton would rank 15th among rookie seasons, since 1998, if we looked solely at passing value, which is still pretty good. However, he led all QBs in rushing value his rookie season, and his talents completely changed the Carolina ground game. So we have Cam Newton there at number seven, Wes. C.J. Stroud comes in at number three. Number three in the best rookie. You said that with disdain. I feel like you're not feeling that, but no, I'm going. No, it's not with disdain. I'm, I'm fine with it. C.J.'s okay. been, I don't have any problem with this ranking. I think the point is, Imagine how much harder that is on Bryce when you have a rookie QB drafted number one overall in Cam Newton, who is viewed as having one of the best rookie QB seasons we've ever seen from one of those guys. 
playing here in Carolina. And then the other one that you could compare him to is the QB that went number two in that same draft. And he's got a top three performance among first year signal callers. I just think when we have comparisons, which is often viewed as the thief of joy, it's really tough when you have Bryce Young, who is finishing the season quite well, at least hopefully the next couple of games. He's certainly putting some stuff together the last couple of games. Man, Cam Newton, the rookie season, we talked about it this offseason, right? How much were we going to compare it? And then C.J. Stroud, the comparisons have not gone his way. And it's not his fault. It's just they haven't gone his way with the success that some of the other quarterbacks we're talking about have had when it was their rookie season. I mean, the numbers, I completely forgot that he rushed for 700 yards. Oh, he was a beast, man. I mean, it's crazy. But the thing was, you know, when the Panthers were losing those games, too, and you look at it, and that's the comparison with Bryce's rookie year to me and Cam's is that Bryce has been losing defensive games where he hasn't played that well, and the offense has been anemic to where Cam comes out of the gate 422 and 432 passing uh, his first couple of games with five total touchdowns. And so people were saying, okay, well, they might not have won these games against Arizona and Green Bay, but they sure are fun to watch with this quarterback that they have. And so I think that's the big thing is that he made it not necessarily fun to lose, but he certainly made them exciting and made it hard not to keep your eyes on him with what he was doing every single week. All right, so if you look at what Cam Newton did from his rookie season to his second year, they only won one more game. They go 6-10 first season, 7-9 second season. Throws for about 200 less yards, two less touchdowns, but also five less interceptions. As that season went on, they weren't throwing the football as much. Remember, you have Rob Chudzinski there. You have two tight ends, Shockey, Greg Olson, Steve Smith, still playing at a high level at that point. Lots of other weapons to roll with. Oh, yeah, and Jordan Gross is playing left tackle. So they were pretty well positioned to put up a decent amount of points. And D'Angelo Williams, Jonathan Stewart, both of those guys actually had some pretty good rushing seasons that year. You move on to 2012, and you see an improvement. His yards per completion were the best in the league at that point at 13.8. But the record wasn't as big of an improvement with only one win. Some of the passing numbers went down, actually. The only good one going down was the interceptions. Do you think we could see a bigger improvement from one year to another with Bryce compared to what Cam Newton did? Um, so you said, do you think, word that for me one more time? Could we see a better improvement from year one to year two with Bryce Young compared to what Cam Newton did his first two years in the league? Um, I think that with Bryce especially, too, I think the last couple of weeks of this season are going to be uh, quite telling. Not a absolute indicator of what we're going to see next year. But I think if we see the improvement continue, he's throwing for over 250 yards. He's throwing a couple of touchdowns, things of that nature. Yeah, I think he's going to have a tremendous jump because if you look at the numbers that he's putting up right now, he's at 11 touchdowns to nine interceptions. I mean, I will probably put him into the season. I wouldn't go over 15 touchdown passes. He may have a couple of more picks left in his uh, arsenal as well. But I think that when you look at his year two, if it's the Bryce that I think he's going to be with the improvements on the roster and things of that nature, yeah, I think his numbers are going to be night and day from where they are now. So I think he's going to have a significant improvement. I would certainly hope so. Like, that's the thing. This is where maybe Bryce Young can make up some ground because you would have to hope that Bryce has a better improvement because of where Cam started and where Bryce is. You talk about the 15 touchdown passes. I hope he's in the low 20s, at least. Would love to see him. You got to get past 20. Yeah. 
those teens just don't look like very pretty touchdown numbers. <laughs> so if you get to the low 20s and then you keep your interceptions down to 10 or less, I think that's what I would like to see from him going into his sophomore campaign. Panthers have to help him. Interior pass protection has to be better. Wide receivers as a unit has to be better, whether that's Thielen staying aboard, Mingo improving as well, getting rid of Chark, finding some real momentum with Tommy Trimble or getting another tight end. The Panthers have to help him, but I'm really hoping we can see that from Bryce. And the record improvement from two wins to, I don't know, five or six? Yeah, that's going to be better than the one Cam put up. That's, to me, where I think you can make up some of that ground compared to what you saw from Cam early on. Now, year three, that's when Ron Rivera is about to get fired. The first two games of the season, you lose. Uh, we just referenced this with EJ Manuel up in Boston. EJ Manuel hit Stevie Johnson in the end zone to beat the Panthers in week two. And then they go into week three against the Giants, where if they lose that game, Ron Rivera might be fired. They end up winning like 38 to nothing. They have a bajillion sacks. And then they go on to 12 and four and they get to the postseason. So maybe we could see like a three-year window for Bryce until they get to the postseason. I I would take that. Even yeah, this, I could see that. I, I think three seasons would be enough time to be able to retool a roster to be good enough to make the playoffs. I would certainly hope so. Let's go back to some of the best finds at a Goodwill antique store of the sports variety. 980 said, found a Julius Peppers jersey at Goodwill. K-Town Steve, I have a signed jersey from both Jake DeLome and Wesley Walls. 336, I have a seat from the old Yankee Stadium I found in my dad's stuff. That is the old, like that's the movie type of moment. You're going through the attic, your dad's old stuff. <laughs> oh, what is this from? What's it say? Oh, it says 1936. What? That's the great stuff. Uh, Mark McGuire, Wheaties box. 704, how about this random one? I got a Bernie Kosar candy bar from when my grandfather oh, coached for the Browns. That's nice. That That's my winner right uh-huh. now. That's pretty cool. I didn't even know he had a candy bar. Panther Bo, Purdue fan, says spotted Gene Cady's hairpiece, but Dom Capers beat me to it. Great times. <laughs> <laughs> that was a guy. I like BA in 704. He said unopened soda cans, one from 1982 UNC National Championship and from 1983 uh, the NC State Championship. Yeah, 82 and 83. That's a really cool one. Final one, 704 writes in. Um, Locker Room Matt actually writes in. Rod Smart, he hate me, game used, signed jersey. That's one of a like a random signed jersey. It for Panthers fans, that one is pretty damn good. You can keep texting him in. 704-570-9610. Let's go to more college football playoff talk. All the representatives, what's on the line for each of these teams? Michigan, Alabama, Washington, Texas. We'll get to it. Wesson Walker. Couple more segments to go. Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
Welcome back, folks, to the Wesson Walker Show on a Friday. What do we call it? I know we come up with a lot of different names for the Friday We used show. to go with No Rules Friday a lot. We did. And I like that. I don't know if we have really stuck with it, but I like No Rules Friday. That was a summer thing, because once you get to August, they're football Fridays. But I think, you know, because we got like 27 punishments we got to come up with and pay... Uh, tr- so we're gonna start yeah, that. We gotta pay off. We're gonna start that in January. Maybe um, every Friday's a Freaky Friday, and we just we just start knocking off all these punishments. I like that idea. Well, we're gonna we have too many. We can't just do them on Fridays. I mean, I know we could double up, but we can't just do them on Fridays. Oh no, because I want you in the B costume drinking the gallon of soda in 20 minutes. Well, it's not gonna be in 20 minutes. Well, okay, you're saying drink the two liter. I thought you were saying do that in 20 minutes worth of time. That's not gonna happen. But I do promise you, a punishment. We'll be paid January 2nd when we hop back on the mic. I can't wait. We're going to start it. And then we'll figure out who needs to pay their punishment after that. But I'm going to do one on January 2nd. And then we'll see exactly how it rolls on in. And we'll try to get them done. At least we have the whole year now. Like, it was a little too ambitious to try to figure out a way to fit them all in before we get to 2024. But at least we have the whole year and we can try to get it all done in January. Well, and also, like, you know, like, because of when Street Turkeys falls in our calendar, there's there's no way in December. Like, too many people are off, but it gives us a great launching pad in 2024. So it's a great content. And I'm nervous because you've never told me what all I got to do, which means <laughs> there's something that you know I'm going to. I'm going to gripe and complain about. He is, isn't he? Like, this is what's going to happen. He's I mean, gonna... what could we give him that he wouldn't gripe and complain about? There wow. Was, there was one. The only <laughs> one that I really wanted you to partake in, we have the the Cool Whip Mel Kuyper Challenge, where we all have to finish through the duration of a week. I think we have to finish some crazy amount of whipped cream cans, something like that. And I wanted you to help us out with that. But you even complained about that when I brought that to the table. Well, I don't like whipped cream. Like, you're asking me to eat 12 cans of something I do not like. How in the world does somebody not like a fluffy form of sugar that you put on ice cream and certain desserts? How in the world does anybody not like uh, Cool Whip? That's crazy. Especially for a guy that consumes as much sugar as Fitty does. Two to three days worth on a daily basis. I mean, just go ahead and call me a diabetic without calling me a diabetic. (laughs) It's straight sugar to the face in like fluffy, delicious texture form. Cool Whip, whipped cream, it doesn't matter. We can figure it out, but you got to partake in that. But a lot of nutritionists always say that uh, whipped cream is pretty good if you're looking for something sweet and don't have to worry about being guilty. That's true. The calorie intake, that's what I, when I cared a lot more. Yeah. I would just to get my fix because you know how I am with the ice cream out here in the streets. It's big time for me. It used to just be get the can of whipped cream. They have like the Reese's Puffs version. Oh, that was so good. Hershey's version. And I would go straight can to mouth action. And that's how I would roll. Can to mouth. Can. <laughs> yeah. And we, we well, Fiddy's getting some cosigns. We got one. Uh, a text is saying that Who wrote cream that in? is disgusting. Uh, breasticles. Yeah, okay. I, I, just, sure wanted, that, uh, I just pulled a fitty. I just pulled that. a fitty right there. Yeah. <laughs> just wanted to make sure. Uh, yeah, but then going along too on the Charlotte Men's Clinic text line seven zero four five seven zero ninety six ten. Uh, a nine eight zero number says he found a miniature Smith Center and Cameron indoor replica the JC Penney outlet in Charlotte twenty plus years ago for a dollar ninety nine each. He said he bought all they had. Kept one each and sold the rest for ten dollars each. He said retail was like forty nine bucks. Yeah, that's, that's a, a nice. Gift. Th- that's exactly what we're looking for. Great find, great entry on the text line. And the last one I'll read. Uh, Eight hundred three number says he has a Jeff Gordon rookie Coke six pack. The only year he was sponsored by Coke, and he says 
uh, Happy New Year to us as well. Happy New Year to you, sir. Yeah, thank so, you, Danny. That's a great one, too. Yeah, Jeff Gordon, rookie Coke six-pack. And so what used to be in the new year was the college football playoffs. You remember that they used to have it on New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. and a lot of people got upset about that because it was ruining plans because if the old lady wanted to go out or whomever wanted to go out with the college football playoffs on, you were going to be a lot less uh, eager to go out. At least I know that I would, even though I hardly ever go out for New Year's, but I know with the college football playoffs on, that gives you more of a reason to uh, sit on the couch. For you now, you are more of a uh, party guy. I would feel like that this would have uh, – been affecting you a little bit more because you go out a little bit more. I am their target audience here because I would love to go out and I still do go out, but oftentimes the game's still on. I mean, not oftentimes, it's always on. No matter where you go, anybody that actually cares about this sort of thing, the game is going to be on and then we're watching it. So I might be a little more inebriated than I usually am watching these games, but that's definitely happening. Watching CJ Stroud last year get close to beating Georgia, but not quite the cigar. Yeah, man, I'm glad that I'm the target audience. And so now I get to watch it with a little bit more of a sober mindset. And Fiddy, I'm guessing, too, back in those days, you didn't have uh, any issues. You were going to be on the couch watching the games as well, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, if I'm locking myself in the room, you know, August through December for Pac-12 football, you think I'm going out to miss the playoff? I should have been because most years the playoffs have been boring and the games haven't delivered. But yeah. I get suckered in. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to watch playoff football. All right. So talking about each of these four teams, for those who don't know, if you've been living under a rock or wherever the hell you've been, uh, Michigan, Alabama, Washington, and Texas are the four teams. Michigan and Alabama is your first matchup a little bit after 5 o'clock. Washington and Texas will take the nightcap uh, there in those two marquee games. But let's talk about what's on the line for each one of these uh, representatives. And we're going to start with the Michigan Wolverines. I'll start this thing off. It's Like Fiddy was saying earlier, it's going to be if you don't win it this year, then when will you win it? Michigan has been in this thing a few times now. Uh, They lost last year in embarrassing fashion to TCU, in my opinion. I don't really care what the score indicated, even though TCU jumped out on Michigan and then Michigan came back and made it close. But this was a game everybody thought Michigan would win handily. So I think now they've been knocking at the door for a while. And I think this year, with them being the number one overall team, I think this is a year people are looking at Harbaugh and saying, look, man, if you can't get it done this year, then maybe we're going to start looking at you with the side eye. I have Jim Harbaugh legacy game. It, because there's a few things at play, whether he stays there or not, to have gone there, had the success, finally get over the playoff barrier. Because it used to be, just get to the playoff, and then we'll see what happens there. Finally does, you lose to TCU, now you're back, congrats, you have Alabama and possibly the greatest college football coach of all time on the other side. This is, when we talk about him having not won a championship or not had too many trips to the college football playoff, the fact that you could beat Nick Saban on your way to a championship, that's a lot of ground that you make up with the title this year. And so if you're able to do it, then, man, lots of ground that you make up. Really, you you become a made man, Wes. You win a championship in Ann Arbor, yeah. and you beat Nick Saban on your way to do it, you're a made man. Now, he might even be so made that he could leave Michigan and try his shot again in the NFL where he got to a Super Bowl but wasn't able to win it with your San Francisco 49ers. Could he do that? Could that be the next on thing on his to-do list? Got back to college, won a championship there. I'm good. Now I need to go to the NFL, and just for my own personal achievement list, I would love to win a championship at the next level and be the only guy to do so alongside a 
Jimmy Johnson and Barry Switzer. Did he do it as well? Anyways, I know Barry Switzer did win. That's right. So along those two guys. And, and uh, I guess Pete Carroll. All right, a lot more. Anyways, he could be the next on that list, and I think that would do a lot for him. Biddy, what you got? What's on the line for Michigan? I mean, it's, it, like I said earlier, it, to me, this is this is now or never for Jim Harbaugh. And if, if you don't get it done this year, I don't see them getting it done in an expanded playoff because you got to have to win what? At the minimum, still three, two to three games to win a national championship. Right yeah. now, you got to win two. So for me, as, as a Jim Harbaugh guy... It's now or never, but if, if you if you get the job done, maybe you could be the next Alabama, the next Clemson, the next Georgia, where you run the sport for the next three to five years. I like that angle, too, uh, when you talk about that, because we've seen it be cyclical. And so when you talk about Michigan, if they are able to establish themselves as national champion, that could propel them uh, to multiple national championships over the next five to ten years. Uh, when you look at Alabama, Nick Saban has won six national titles at Alabama. And so what's on the line for them? You could kind of say Alabama's playing with house money because this is a team, especially when you looked at, if you would have watched that South Florida matchup, you thought this team had no chance. You heard coming in out of the spring that that quarterback situation was in disarray. And this could be one of Nick Saban's worst teams at Alabama. So to me, the only thing I would say is on the line for Alabama is public opinion. They're going to be the people out there that will say, especially if they are beaten handily by Michigan, which I don't think will happen. I mean, Alabama's just a team. They're hard to kill. And I think that public perception saying, see, see, Florida State should have been in. You guys had no business being in there because other than that, to me, this is an Alabama team we didn't necessarily expect to be here based off what we saw midseason. And it's Alabama, Nick Saban, as you said, when you win national championships, you're a made man. Well, Nick Saban's done that at two different institutions, and he's got six at Alabama. So to me, him losing in the playoffs when they got in there because uh, some of the politics, however people want to put it, I don't think it's any type of blemish on that program if they're not able to complete the task. Yeah, I'm going to give you two answers here. Please don't tell me you can only give one. I'm going to give two. I'm going to give <laughs> one from the national perception. I'm going to give one from Walker's perception. The national one is exactly what you said. This would be evidence for the FSU fans, the evidence for the Bama doubters. See, they never should have got in, all that stuff that you talked about. Even if I don't think that whatever happens now should have any bearing on what they decided to do. It's a regular season evaluation. It is a conference championship evaluation. Depending on what you do within those number of games, that's how you're allowed to get into the college football playoff or not. So it happens in the NCAA tournament. Just because you go on a Final Four run doesn't necessarily mean that I think you should have gotten to the tournament in the first place. We did this with VCU when they made it as an 11 seed in like 2011. They were right on the bubble, maybe not being able to be in. But I don't think that really changes things. All right, so now from Walker's perception... What's on the line for Alabama? Absolutely nothing. It's Nick Saban, man. What's he got to prove? Yeah. I mean, the guy got into the college football playoff when everybody wrote them off after a loss at the beginning of the season to Texas. All right, well, this might be the first time we see them lose more than two games. Nope. Lost only one. Jalen Milrow, the guy who your offensive coordinator said could not be a QB, leads them to an incredible win over Auburn in the Iron Bowl, a win against Georgia, who had been at the top the last couple of years. What does Nick Saban, what does Alabama got to prove? Like, oh, yeah, it's been a while since they won their championship. They won in 2020. 
absolutely nothing as far as I'm concerned. Fiddy, what you got? Yeah, I, I'm kind of where Walker is. Where I don't know if there's anything on the line. I, I, I do think for Saban, this could potentially cement his legacy. You win a national title with this team. This is the worst Bama team he's had since his first year in Tuscaloosa. Maybe the, that ends the debate. He's the greatest college football co- uh, coach of all time. And maybe him just getting this team to the playoff. Maybe he already puts them in that threshold. Maybe this, because, you know, what we can't put Bear Bryant in his shoes, but would Bear Bryant take this team to the, the playoff? We wouldn't know. But that if, if, if he wins it with this, with this group, there's no denying he's the best to ever do it. All right, so turning the page to the Washington Huskies. To me, what's on the line for them is simply – uh, reputation coming into the Big Ten. They're going over to the Big Ten where they're going to have to compete with the likes of Michigan, the likes of Penn State and Ohio State, no schools. And so to me, if they're able to at least show well, then it's going to put teams on notice that you've got a real squad, a real program coming into the Big Ten, which Washington is very much respected anyway. I don't think anybody's looking at them as cream puffs coming in there. But if they're able to get to the championship game or they're even able to win this thing. I think it just really uh, gives them great perception as they join the Big Ten and what will be a super competitive uh, conference with the additions. Allow me to take you to a favorite movie of mine in the Sandlot and give you one of the greatest quotes of all time. Remember, kid, there's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered, but legends never die. Michael Penix is a hero right now. Michael Penix, having done what he did in the regular season to win a conference championship, hey, that's great. You got to the top four. Now don't get destroyed in the first game you play. If you win this thing, then Michael Penix, Washington, a parting shot for the Pac-12, the last real Pac-12 team to ever compete in the college football playoff, you win the whole damn thing. That's when the great Bambino comes in and says, you never die, kid. (laughs) So the Sandlot quote, that's on the line for the Huskies. You like that, Fitty? How do I follow that? That might have been the best 45 (laughs) seconds of radio I've ever heard come out of your mouth. That was beautiful. Thank you. For me, I would say it's staying power. Like, you you, you complete this with a national championship. It's going to further the recruiting. You're moving into the Big Ten, so you're going to be in a power conference moving forward. Maybe this is a chance for Washington to return to the national landscape for another extended run like they were in the 90s. Yeah, and so now when you look at the Texas Longhorns, to me, it's as simple as, are you back? There are three to four programs in college football that we ask the same damn question every year. Are you back? We asked Florida State. We asked Miami. And now it is Texas coming to the forefront here, getting into the college football playoff, a team that hasn't won a national championship since 2005. Vince Young, we remember that game for my money, the greatest college football game of all time that I've seen. But uh, for this Texas program, Steve Sarkeesian, Quinn Ewers, we know that uh, young Manning, young Arch Manning is waiting in the wings to take over this program. The great tradition and pageantry that Texas football brings to the table, to me, it's as simple as, is Texas back? If they're able to get to the championship game, I think that answers that question to a degree. And if they're winning it, if they win it, I think for sure, signed, stamped, certified, sealed, the Texas Longhorns program is back yeah i have that written exactly here on texas texas is back you like combo they steal that conversation from the miami hurricanes and now they are the ones that have that question legitimately asked about them you already get to the playoffs, something miami never did despite us trying to figure out a way to bring back is the u-back combo texas already accomplished more than what that conversation ever mustered up with the canes if you win it yeah man 
this conversation now belongs to you. So a couple of reclamation projects here, too, like Quinn Ewers coming back now, having an excellent season, despite everybody falling in love with Arch Manning. What does Ewers do? Become a QB that is absolutely as worthy as all of these other passers in the top four. And then what more can you say about Sarkeesian? Talk about a reclamation project, having the addiction problem, and then going from a couple of different schools, being a good offensive coordinator, now having his own squad, something in Texas that nobody's been able to do since Mac Brown in 05, now possibly win a championship. Big-time reclamation projects here for a couple of key figures. Yeah, the, the, that's not where I'm going, Walker. You know, Wes, you said reputation for Washington, for 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 Texas and Sarkeesian. The, the, this, this would forever change his reputation and his narrative. This was a guy that in the mid-2000s was the young offensive wonderkind of college football that got a program, elevated Washington, left, went to USC, and ran that program into the ground on and off the field, went to the Saban Rehab of School, uh, the, the, the Saban Rehab School, and was given another big program. And he lost to Kansas, and it didn't like it was going to get turned around. Now he's in the college football playoff. He wins a national championship. The stories about Steve Sarkeesian and the narrative around him will change forever. All right, and so really quick, we're up against it, but if Jim Harbaugh wins the national championship, do you think that influences his decision to leave? For the NFL, and there's the desire for Harbaugh and Carolina depending on what happens in the CFP. The first question, yes. If you win the championship, then how do you not feel more comfortable leaving college football behind, having accomplished everything you possibly could in a year's worth of time? You go undefeated, you win the Big Ten championship, you beat Ohio State, and then you win the national championship, having beat Nick Saban on your way to a natty. What else do you need to prove in your final season in college football to say that you're the man. So yeah, if, if you feel maybe multiple championships like that matters, yeah, legacy, but already pretty impressive what you do in just a year's worth time. And so if there is real interest to get back to the NFL and remember, you know, Jim Harbaugh was interested in getting back to the national football league. Like that's a real thing with him having already had success there too. I think absolutely that would influence his decision to leave for the NFL if he does get this thing entirely done. Yeah, I think that for, you know, Harbaugh is a definitely a descendant of Bo Schembechler when you talk about him just wanting to cover that legacy from the way he runs the program, how old school he is, uh, and things of that nature. Even though Bo Schembechler never won a national championship, I think that Harbaugh would want to establish himself. And I think maybe the competitor in him wants to get on the level of the Sabins and uh, the Kirby Smarts and those guys. And I think one championship would help. But if he could get another one, that would certainly cement his status. Uh, so I think that it will influence his decision. I think it will make him want to stay. And I know they have a gigantic uh, contract on the table for him that's got a no NFL clause in 2024 that he could decide to sign or not. Uh, is the desire dependent on what he does in the CFP? No, I don't think so. I think Harbaugh's reputation is signed and sealed. You're, you're saying is is his desire for Har like is your desire? Like, yeah, desire for him in Carolina depending on what he does in the CFP. And that's why I say no. I said to me he's yeah. certified as a great coach at both levels. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. Like, if you win the championship or not, I don't know if that makes it me. Oh, okay, he won the championship. Now I want him here in Carolina. I don't think that does matter. Yeah, I mean, look, there's no denying that I think the man wants to be back in the NFL. And if he wins a national championship, it makes it easier to leave. As a guy that prides himself on being a closet Michigan man, I'd love to see him stay in Ann Arbor for the next 
15, 20 years and, and keep that program where it is. But the guy wants to be in the NFL, and I'd be damned if I don't want him here in Carolina. <laughs> All right, we're going to see what Harbaugh ends up doing, but this is going to be a great college football playoff. Did we lock in picks for that yet? Did everybody make final? We could just do it in the yet? final yeah, segment. Yeah, we'll do it in the final segment along with Panthers-Jaguars picks. This is Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Prediction time on Weston Walker as we wrap things up. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Yeah, Wes wants the ACC to win this matchup. Ah. The Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. Clemson down to Kentucky right now. I believe it's 22-16. The score just went away, but I believe Yeah, I mean, Kentucky could end the season beating Louisville and Clemson. Like, God, come on. We can't have that. The SEC fans, they won't be able to get enough. How much do you happened. hold this against Clemson? Do you feel? Yeah, this is this is not good. They, I mean, Kentucky did, like I said, they ended their season beating Louisville, so I'm sure that gave them a lot of confidence. But I mean, they're losing to Devin Leary. Like, come on, man. It does feel weird to see an eight and five record next to Clemson. It does. I mean, that's... oh, they just got an interception. He batted it up in the air and picked it off. What a play right there by the Titans. All right, Barrett so... Carter. Clemson back in it. All right, we should probably stop before we get fined for play-by-play. <laughs> but at least they were able to pick it off, and so we'll see what Clemson can do with 10 minutes, 8 seconds left to go in the fourth quarter, first and 10. Now I really am. I need to stop. Somebody get me away before I get fined. You want to go ahead and turn it no. to the broadcast? Uh, no, I'm right not here. watching anymore. I'm not watching anymore. Panther Bo wrote in on the text line, by the way. Closet Michigan man might be one of Fitty's wildest flexes. I don't know if that was a real flex from you, but I do know that you're a closet fan of a certain amount of teams. Like I, I think I've lost track, but I know Tennessee is one of them. I know Michigan is one of them. North Carolina, you're not a closet fan of. Is there any other schools that we just don't know you secretly pull for? Um, no, Tennessee is because um, I was born in Tennessee. My mother and my grandfather diehard Tennessee football fans. In the mid-2000s, Tennessee football was relevant. Phil Fulmer was, you know, still at the peak of, of his run there. So there was a little bit of Tennessee fandom. And then Michigan, it's always been like that. Like, beautiful colors, rich history and tradition. <laughs> so, so, so just basically watching them growing up. Yep, you know, they had the pageantry. Um, Denard Robinson was one of the first few players I loved as a kid. Shoelaces. Wow. Um, you know, they played in big rivalry games. But, I mean, like... It's, it's it's nothing like the Carolina. Like, I'm not turning in my fandom for Michigan. No, I know that. But, I mean, you know, you did that with Dallas. You flirted with the Jets, and then Aaron Rodgers gets hurt the first drive of the game. And then I made it's the like, right decision. To go with the Jets or to not go with well, them? Well, I just added the Jets to my fandom, but I didn't turn my back on the Cowboys. And, you know, we're 10-5, and five and 
You know, this might, before we give predictions, we'll do it in a moment. This might actually lead to a decent conversation. Is there a team that you're a closet fan of that you secretly pull for in college football? It can be college basketball, whoever. Who is that for you? Wes? Yeah, uh, actually, Texas, because I went to football camp there okay. uh, back in the day in 1998. I went to football camp there. And then um, USC. I always liked USC when I was a kid. They were very mediocre, but I loved their band. They had my favorite band right. in college football. I loved their fight song. Um, so, yeah, those would be my team. I don't know if this is I, – I cheer for Butler because I went to Butler basketball camp uh, every year. Yeah, the camps will get you. Yeah, they will. And so if I went there twice a session, so I'd go there two times every single summer from when I was like in second grade all the way up until eighth grade. And so I was there when Todd Licklider was there. But Brad Stevens, this is the story I think I've told a couple times. Brad Stevens is the assistant coach, and he's the one handing out freezy pops and pizza at lunchtime. Little did we know he would be the boy genius turned NBA coach, now general manager of the Boston Celtics. And it used to be us waiting for Brad Stevens to get the hell out of the way. And he would say, all right, here's Todd Licklider to tell you about zone defense. Yeah, let's go. Brad, get out of the way. We want to see what Todd Licklider has to say. Little did you know. It's crazy. Also, rebounded for me the time I won my free throw championship at Butler Basketball high, uh, basketball Camp. That's, there you go. That's a really cool story. Man. Yeah, Stephen, I, I thought, so I went 9 of 10 to win the championship. I missed my second free throw because I hit the first one, said, all right, screw the routine. I just need to throw it up because I'm hot. Missed it. I was like, all right, let's settle down. Let's get the routine back. And then Brad said, hey, look, do the routine every single time. I know what you were thinking, but just do your routine, same thing every time. And that'll help you get comfortable when you're at the free throw line. So big shout to Brad for making me a free yeah, throw champ. You could see that that football knowledge right there. I could see him telling you something like that too. You know my my closet college basketball fandom before 2016 and that long yeah. dreadful night mm-hmm. was Villanova. I was the biggest Jay Wright fan. Scotty Reynolds was a, a player I loved as a kid growing up. And then it all went away when Chris Jenkins hit a shot. And ever since then, there's not been a second team I've been willing to adopt as my second team because I can only be heartbroken so many times by women or basketball teams. Man, what a shot that was. I mean, you know really what? a true not, moment in college basketball history. Maybe you're not, uh, a not-so-closet fan of Villanova after that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. not, and, I, and I've not been a quite. fan of Michigan basketball since Fab Five, and I never stopped yeah. being for them. Since then, I've always rooted for Michigan basketball. Honestly, I'm sure there's a lot of people like you in that regard. Yeah. Because Michigan Fab Five, cultural phenomenon, like for sure you're still going to be a fan of them. You're kind of a closet fan of Purdue. You like some Purdue basketball. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, you got a 7-4 giant. You've got Every year, because that's what Painter does. Yeah. And, you know, when I first got into it, hated Matt Painter. Didn't like him. But now, as I've watched him struggle to get over the hump and make a Final Four, big Purdue guy. Sorry, Panther Bugs. I'm going to curse you again in the tournament. All right, let's go to some of the predictions. Let's rehash our college football playoff predictions. Wes, we'll start with you. Michigan versus Alabama. Who do you pick and why? I got Bama. Like I said, the boogeyman. Worst thing that could have happened was them beating Georgia getting into this tournament. Yep, I've got uh, I've got Michigan taking down Bama. Um, I think it's going to be a fun game, but give me Michigan in a close one, 28-24. I do think it's their time. I'm scared to death of this game. I, I hope it is. Let me say that. I hope I'm wrong. You want Michigan to win. I do yeah. want Michigan to win, but I just don't know. I um, love when Wes is wrong. Toby's wrong, too. 
All right. Shots fired before we get to 2024. I'm going to go with Michigan. I think J.J. McCarthy, despite not needing to make a ton of big throws in some of these wins, I think this might be the time he needs to do it, and he delivers. Washington versus Texas. Wes, I know you said you had Texas. You change your mind at all in the last two hours. <laughs> not at all. Give me Hook'em. Texas, Queen yours. Texas is back, baby. I think the purple magic runs out. Give me Texas in a shootout, 48-38. All right, speaking of purple magic, we just had smoke in a Western Carolina jersey, or a shirt do the horns down symbol to Wes's <laughs> prediction. Uh, I got Texas, too. Just too many one-score games at the end that I think luck has been a beneficiary for the Huskies, but also I think... Quinn Ewers is playing really good football. Bad defense for Washington. Yeah, bad defense for them as well. All right, final one NFL game this weekend. Jags, Panthers. Can Bryce Young and the Panthers continue positive momentum to where they actually get a third win on the season? Uh, Yeah, no. I, I think the Jaguars, with everything that's been coming out of that camp, what they're talking about, I think they're going to be refocused, and I think they play and uh, win this game. What you got, Fiddy? I picked the Panthers earlier today on the replacements. I'm going to stick with my pick. Give me Carolina 23-16. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to hear Fiddy try to do that after that bar. Yeah, it's his throw would be completely done. Yeah. Panther up, baby. <laughs> I don't want to hear your barking like a rabbit dog. Yes. I want to hear the vicious Panther. Give me the Panthers to win over what is a derailing Jacksonville Jags team. Bryce Young gets it done once again. That'll do it for Wesson Walker. Thanks for spending your week, your day, your year with us here in the middays. Stay tuned once more for Kyle Bailey alongside Ludwig jerky. from 3 to 6. It smells really good in here. So good. That's yeah. big time jerky, jerky. too. That's Tillamook. I know. Oh, my man is protein. He's also caffeinated. Yeah. Ice cream. That's what Tillamook does. Yeah. God. And cheese. All right, I'm going to go get some ice cream and jerky now. It's a weird combo, but it sounds good. Kyle Bailey Show, Smoke Ludwig. They're coming at you. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.